Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast, where we look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of the songwriter. Each week, we make a connection with a music maker, listen to their songs, and hear their stories. From Nashville, Tennessee, here's your host, Dave Lenahan. Well, hello. Thanks for the listen. Appreciate it very much. I have you to thank. This is our 60th episode that we've done on this podcast. Started it during the, uh, the you know, during the COVID thing, and uh, good uh, good friend uh, Len Harvey, who I worked with in Cincinnati Radio, uh, was the inspiration. And I thought, why not? We're in Nashville, as we said before, surrounded by songwriters, and I just wanted everyone to get a chance to tell their story. Also, wanted to help uh, with instruction and in talk and just get into it. You may have heard our episode with Mark Allen Barnett, Under the Hood, where we wrote the song live on the podcast and. Uh, told you how it went. So if you haven't, go back and, and listen to that. Um, we are um, 120,000 downloads strong now in 27 countries at my last check of analytics. And I have you to thank. Thank you for spreading the word and getting it out there, putting it on your socials. If you're listening on YouTube, I know we're not a video podcast yet, but if you're listening on YouTube, please like and subscribe. We do publish every Wednesday morning, very early in the morning, so that when you get up on Wednesday mornings, you can have a cup of coffee with us and make a a songwriter connection. How's that sound? Uh, I want to thank a local sponsor, Mark Allen Barnett, who, uh, who's been on the show three times, a great mentor, uh, a great writer, and one of my favorite performers here in Nashville. He can help you up your game three to five years in just one simple tour. That's what he's been doing for years, these Mark Allen Barnett tours, and they really are incredible. You can come into Nashville, kind of try it out, see what songwriting is, is like. He'll take you around, introduce you to people. He will uh, help you on stage, uh, make sure that you get to play a little bit, but you'll write, and you'll write with Mark. He'll give you like song-by-song instruction, line-by-line, word-by-word sometimes. He really will help you up your game. As I've said in the past, he's helped me with mine. I was uh, used to performing behind a microphone, not on the stage in front of people, and he showed me how to do it and up my game incredibly and could do the same for you. So if you want to check it out, Mark Allen Barnett, uh, it's M-A-R-C dash Allen, A-L-A-N, and Barnett is B-A-R-N-E-T-T-E. And if you can't find him, uh, contact me on the socials. I'll make sure you get in touch with, as we like to call him, Yoda. (laughs) Right, you will, he'll always say. So anyway, thank you, Mark. Do appreciate you being a part of our show. Well, I mentioned we are in Nashville, Tennessee, but occasionally we go outside of Nashville, um, and we bring in writers from, you know, Nashville's not the only songwriting capital in the world there's there's new york there's la we've we've got a songwriter today that broke on the west coast and she is absolutely amazing we are so honored to have her but i want to tell you a little bit about the uh, the great molly lakin here she is the song doctor uh the song md.com you talk about great mentors this lady is and uh, she taught at ucla uh she's she's worked for three different publishing companies um her clients that she works with um have had 12 Grammys, if you can imagine that. 19 more were nominated for Grammys. Uh, what honors those are. Molly has written with uh, people like Katy Perry, Blasito Domingo, Cher, Tina Turner, Billy Preston, Anne Murray, Dusty Springfield. John Travolta had a singing career for a while. Um, yeah, all of these people are very familiar with Molly's songs and have written with her. Uh, she's an entrepreneur, a speechwriter as well, and she has eight great books out there. One that just published yesterday that we're going to talk about. So there you go, a little bit on Molly Lakin, our guest today from Santa Barbara, California, on the phone. Hi, Molly. How are you? Welcome. Hey, Dave. Thank you. I'm so pleased to talk to you today. Well, it's good to have you here. Are you tired after all you've done? Oh, my gosh. And you keep going. <laughs> the things that you do are amazing. Thank you. No, I'm just getting started. I love that. You are, aren't you? Now, you are a published writer, and you came first to the United States from, from Canada, right? But you were born in the U.S.? No, How I was that born work? in Canada. In Canada? Okay. And I defected to the U.S. <laughs> during a 58 below zero blizzard. Yeah, I would say that's different. And I, I yeah. defected with my baritone ukulele. Wow. Because I was absolutely convinced that Joni Mitchell and Carol King oh desperately needed my 12 songs about Fig Newton. <laughs> of course they did. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Why wouldn't they? And so um, I just arrived in town and said, well, I'm going to do this. And, of course, I did everything wrong at first. But then I worked my way in, and 
eventually became a staff writer at A&M, which is Almo. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, big, big time. Um, and, you know, you came to the to the States at the time that a lot of people were defecting from the States to Canada to get away from Vietnam. Yeah, I know. And you entered a, a really interesting time in music out there on the West Coast, didn't you? I mean, it was an amazing time, wasn't it? Well, there were uh, kids standing on Sunset Boulevard with their guitars, mm-hmm. and they were singing, and if they got lucky, there was a traffic light, and some music executive was in the car next to the traffic light. Can you imagine? And he'd hand him his card and say, he'd call me at the office, and he'd get a deal, mm. because it was a guitar boy's time. It was. And it didn't cost anything to sign anybody. And people could take chances then. Mm-hmm. Now it's all corporate. Forget about it. Yeah. But it's at a different that world. time, yeah. And we'll talk. About yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But back then, it was it was fun and exciting, wasn't it? It, it was the, the it was the time of the singer songwriter, wasn't it? It had just started, mm-hmm. and Tapestry. Oh yeah, was ruling the world. Still one of my all time favorite albums. Me too, and um, well, I actually supported myself as a social worker. And instead of getting my clients off welfare, they got me into the music business. Really? That's interesting. And, and, and only, only I would have this experience. But my job as a social worker was to contact the deadbeat dads mm. or alleged deadbeat dads of my client's children and get them to pay child support. Mm. So off I go. Little Miss Molly from Canada with no experience doing anything. And I'm knocking at the door of the accountants for Elvis and Paul McCartney and God knows who else. No kidding. Saying, show me the money. (laughs) And they threw me out. But as I kept coming back, I kept bringing my baritone ukulele and singing a few songs for them. At which point they thought I was the gong show. (laughs) Let's get rid of her. The hook, right? (laughs) Oh, no. Somebody in the Los Angeles County Department of Public Social Services wanted to be an actor, and Variety was delivered to his desk every morning. And he found a a songwriter's workshop at Capitol Records. Wow. And he says, here, Molly, you'd be much better at this than you are at social work. Because <laughs> I sat there with the phone off the hook. And I said, I can't deal with this. <laughs> so <clears throat> I auditioned for the songwriter workshop. And the guy sat there shaking his head. No, no, no. Mm-mm. And I refused to leave. Oh, boy. <clears throat> and eventually he let me in. And that made all the difference in my life. He taught us how to write visually. He taught us how to write emotionally. And he would put a lyric on a screen. And he would circle the pictures in red. He would circle the passionate words in orange. He'd uh, He'd underline the double rhymes in yellow. And if you couldn't read the lyric at the at the end of the class, it was a hit lyric. Wow. That's how we judge. And to this day, I use that. Do you really? And I teach all my clients, my private songwriting clients, about that. Because you know, it's not, I miss you, baby, and it's raining. Yeah. It already rained. <laughs> That's right. You know, and it's, and it's all about, I think, how you take the word no, and you didn't take the word no. Um, you used it as, as a way to, uh, build, uh, on what you did. And, um, because if we're not failing, we're not learning. Right. So you just kept going. Well, I guess that's true, Dave. And it's a good, it's a good phrase, but I had no fallback position. I sure wasn't going back to Canada. Really? Okay. And, uh, so had you come to the United States specifically to be a songwriter? Was that in your mind as you came here? Yeah. That was it. I had my baritone ukulele with me. Now, and for people who are not familiar I had, with that instrument, Molly, what, what is a baritone ukulele? We all are familiar with the four-string ukulele, and a baritone more of a bass? Well, there's, 
There's several kinds of sizes, uh-huh. and the baritone is the biggest. Okay. And and the one they play in Hawaii, I think, is the smallest. Okay. There may be four or five sizes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I adored that thing. I kept it on a hook next to my bed. That's all I did was write, write, write. And my first landlady in California was not at all interested in ukuleles. No. Nope. Nor my singing them. Really? And I'm often paid now not to sing, so you can imagine. And she would bang on the ceiling about shutting up that, as we say in French, goddamn banjo. <laughs> and this went on and on, and I finally moved. But I never heard anybody say, play me a song. Play, would you would you please play me a song? And in my travels throughout the um, child support days, there was a writer's meeting every Friday afternoon at Warner Brothers at 3 o'clock. Wow. You go and right to the, the capital, Warner Brothers. You didn't mess around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they had an open meeting, and anybody who wanted to come to the Warner Brothers movie, um, um, Warner Brothers meeting could go. Mm-hmm. And I met a guy there named Artie Wayne, and he would have he had a great big green blackboard. I guess what do you call a green blackboard? Green board. A green board <laughs> with a list of all the artists who were looking for songs. Interesting. And every week I'd write one and bring it back, and he didn't necessarily love it, but he appreciated the fact that I did the assignment and I kept coming back. Wow. And this went on for about six months, and meanwhile. All my friends and colleagues were getting signed as staff writers. So I mustered the strength to say, hey, Artie, I love working with you, but I turned down two gigs as a staff writer in other places just so I could continue working with you. And if the heavens ever opened, he said, come sign with me. Yes, (laughs) that's great. That's your first deal then, huh? So I signed at A&M, and um, oh my God, I couldn't believe it. But they insisted I get rid of the ukulele and switch to the piano. There you go. They said, this is a professional songwriting company. Yeah. Now, had you played piano in the past, or did you have to learn that? Yeah, like everybody else, I -hmm. took piano lessons when I was a kid. So I'm just curious to the two that you turned down. Oh, yeah. Well, it seems that I forgot their name. <laughs> you did? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I, I actually made that up. <laughs> I use my imagination wherever I can. Well, of course you now, do. I'm You're a songwriter, to... right? Yeah, yeah I, I'm not encouraging people to tell lies. Right. But? Well, anyway, it worked. It worked out for you. I haven't done it since because I think I used my one ace in the hole there. Mm-hmm. But it worked out for me. I was a staff writer for 10 years, and wow. Mike Stewart asked me what I wanted to do that I hadn't done yet, and I told him I wanted to write songs for movies. And you do and that? And the next week, the next week, I got an assignment to write the theme for Eight is Enough, the TV show. You wrote the theme to that? Wow. I wrote the lyric, yeah. That's great. And you've had, you know, we've talked in the past uh, on this show about sync uh, with uh, television and and, uh, and movies, and you've done a lot of that. In fact, um, you wrote for the the movie Violet, which uh, won an Oscar, right, for the the music score, uh, and you had some That's songs right. in that, right? So, yes, it 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 pays to network because. All crazy people in L.A. and I guess that's most of the population have a therapist, and my therapist had a client who came right after me who was a screenwriter, mm-hmm. and she was studying at the AFI. And we became friends. She lived down the street, and she told me she was writing uh, a feature for her graduation, uh, what do you call it, thesis, I guess. Okay. And I said, oh, do you need songs? Yeah, I need songs. Well, those things never have 
a budget. So I took her script, I went to Nashville, and I wrote the song score with Charlie Black and Rory Burke, Mm -hmm. and it won an Oscar. That's fantastic. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, that's pure moxie. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. That was a pretty big deal. Now, what, what movie was that? Violet. That's the Violet movie, okay. Forgive me for not remembering who's in it. <laughs> but it was about a, It was based on a story, short story, about a girl with a terrible scar oh. who went to the preacher on TV to be healed. Okay. And when she gets there, she, they tell her, well, we finished taping for the year. And so she finds out they're really not what they said they were. Hmm. And it was very sad. And she meets a soldier on the bus. And we wrote some beautiful songs. Wow. Now, you mentioned you coming to Nashville in, in writing. Uh, and But you were writing mm-hmm. for a specific thing when you came for, for that movie. Was that the reason why you came? Well, I was a staff writer at Chapel at the time, and I told my publisher that there was a song on the radio that I absolutely loved, and I wondered if he could hook me up with the writers. Okay. And the writers were Charlie Black and Rory Burke. Okay. And son of a gun, he set up the meeting. I flew to Nashville. Charlie and I wrote a lot of songs together and had a lot of records, many of them with Anne Murray. Anne Murray. Um, yes, and Billy Joe Spears too. Did I did I read? Um, My first hit song was "Silver Wings and Golden Rings." Great song, yes. Which was a big hit for Billy Joe Spears. And mm-hmm. country didn't cross over at that time. Not too much. No. But I well, I keep waiting for somebody to find that song and do it again. Why not? It happens. It happens from time yeah. to time. Let me ask you this: um, I was what I was trying to get to is is did you find a difference between uh, writing um, in L.A. and writing in Nashville? Is there a yes? Okay. Writing in Nashville is very intimate, mm-hmm. and it's very much business like. You meet at ten o'clock at the office. Mm-hmm. You write till noon. You go to lunch. You see all the other songwriters, then you come back to the office and finish your song. In um, L.A., you kind of schmooze, yeah, da, 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 da. <laughs> and when it's done, it's done, unless it's a, an assignment. Now, the writers in Tennessee are just so honed and so brilliant mm. that they can write a song in a day. And it's a great song. It sounds like it took a month to write because everything's perfect. The tune's just right. The rhythm's just right. The words are brilliant. In L.A., you may get the same level of songwriting, but it's not as big a deal because everybody, songs are one thing in L.A., but what everybody really wants is the movies. However, now we all want the same thing, which is, to get our songs in movies, to place them with music supervisors. A lot of songwriters, especially here in Nashville, are are striving for that those sync deals, as we talk about. Um, yeah, it seems to be that's where the money is today, huh? It is, and in my book, Insider Secrets to Hit Songwriting in the Digital Age, just out yesterday, I, just out yesterday. Yeah, right? uh-huh. thank you. Mm-hmm. There's a whole chapter on Robin Erdang, who is a multi-Emmy-winning music supervisor. And she's she and her colleagues are the ones who choose the music that's used in all the movies and TV shows and media. Hmm. So those are the people you need to know. And you have to make it your business to find out what they need and when. So what the, I wouldn't send a rap song to somebody who's looking for a contemporary Christian lullaby. <laughs> of course not. No, really. It's yeah. all about, and you have to pay attention. Even though you love your song, that's 
um, say it's the greatest country song ever written. If they want Cuban Rastafarian zip songs, forget it. <laughs> no. Give them what they want. Know who you're pitching to. Create right? what they want. And mm-hmm. then down the road, when you're a star, you create what you want, and they'll all come running to you. Interesting. Hmm. Very cool. The Inside Secrets to Hit Songwriting in the Digital Age. That's the new one from Molly Lakin. And I hope that you look for it. It's, a, it's a, an amazing book. Um, any uh, other secrets you, you, you could kind of, I know we want people to read the book, but um, give us a little, you know, um, taste, <laughs> so to speak. I'll, gi- I'll give you another taste, which is really important. When I was writing the book, Mm-hmm. And I'm a very thorough person. I don't quit when somebody says, I don't know. Yeah. I keep going. And I actually, for two years, could not find anybody at any of the performing rights societies who would tell me straight out how much is a performance worth. Mm. Prime time, da 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 da. I don't know. There's too many variables. I thought, well, what am I going to tell my readers? They don't want to hear that. Right. So thank God for Todd Brayback and Jeff Brayback, who are attorneys and devoted to helping songwriters. Um, I knew them back in the day when they were both lawyers for my publisher. And I uh, was told that Jeff and Todd have the book that has all of this listed. And they gave me permission to use the whole chapter on what, where the royalties come from. Wow, now that's... So I have a whole chapter on this is worth this, this is worth that. Chapter four, I'd buy the book just for that. Yeah, I would say. Very cool. That is nice. It's Inside Secrets to Hit Songwriting in the Digital Age, which I want to talk more about. Uh, in just a little bit, we, how, we haven't. Ch- I've just loved talking to you, Molly. You're just full of so much information. Um, but I want to play one of your Thank songs. You, yeah, because you write in. I we've talked in the past how I hate genres. I hate saying you're a country writer, you're a, a reggae artist, you're a folk, whatever. You write regardless of genre, right? It's. It seems to me it's. It, I do. I like to stretch my shadow. You do because if you if you write the same style over and over. <clears throat> your gray cells are going to die. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> yes. Well, tell us about this first one, Asia Africa, that I'm going to play. Um, tell us about that one in 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 the process. Uh, Jack Durkin and I started out writing a song called "While We're Still Here," mm-hmm. and we wanted we were talking about seeing the whole world together, and it started out sounding like a nice ballad. Well, the world doesn't need a nice, another nice ballad. It's got plenty of ballads. I like to write something that's up-tempo, especially now because people are so desperate to lose themselves in the music on the air. So I had the lyric. We had the lyric for the verse. And I thought, well, I'm going to need a killer chorus to get this out from being a ballad. And as I was walking, I was walking in a rhythm. And the rhythm was Asia, North and South America, Europe, Mm -hmm. and Australia. And when we got to Europe and the book, I actually tripped on a rock. So, (laughs) yeah. You can't make this stuff up. Did that make it a rock song? I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. (laughs) that's funny i apologize no but it gave it some it 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 turned it into an up-tempo song and i had a wonderful artist record it and played for the people i'm very proud of that all right Mm -hmm. all right here we go it's called asia africa written by molly lakin our guest on the songwriter connection podcast Support. 
dance with you in Red Square. Hold you tight in the Paris dawn. Very cool song. I really love it, Molly. Uh, the, the gentleman's voice um, of, of like... Uh, Alvin Chair. Is that his name? He's wonderful. You know, I've heard you say in the past that it all for you starts with a great idea. Uh, is that still it's the case? True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. It you all talked about the with I- a great idea. The great, and you talked about the idea there. It, it started with a groove for you, didn't it? As you were walking. That page. No, it started with... Uh, the John Durkin and I wanting to write a song about let's see the world together. Oh, got it. Okay. And we didn't want to write just another ballad, uh-huh. another pretty romantic ballad. So we we wanted to get some tempo, mm-hmm. and that's where. Uh, and and by the way, with all these continents, it I, I had to find something in each continent where we wanted to go. And I was very heavy with European content and American content. Mm -hmm. But, uh, boy, it was tricky in all of Africa to find something that fit the meter and was not the ordinary climb Kilimanjaro thing. Gotcha. Yeah. So. Hmm. I wanted to talk a little bit about your, your mentoring service because that is really amazing what you do. You, uh, you were, Thank you. you taught a bit at, at UCLA. Was it songwriting you taught or, or music? Yes, I, I taught the songwriters workshop at UCLA mm-hmm. and I had, you wouldn't believe who was in my class. Yeah. And one of my students in the very first class in the first row, with Cheryl Benteen from the Manhattan Transfer. How about that? Wow. And she and I are still in touch, and I'm so proud of her. Uh, anyway, at UCLA, all my students wanted private lessons. And I thought, hmm. So I became a consultant and a mentor to developing artists. My company's called Songwriting Consultants Limited songmd.com and I have hundreds of free blogs there and I also invite new songwriters especially lyricists and especially songwriters 
who have been at it for a while but haven't quite crossed the success line yet to contact me let's talk about your song let's set up a private consultation by phone or zoom so we can talk about your songs and i will tell you what i think it needs Mm -hmm. or they need so i can tweak them just a little bit and make them sizzle so they're as strong as they need to be in order to realistically compete with the very best songs out there. Because your songs have to compete with the very best songs out there. If you There's no be... shortage of good songwriters. Oh, it, that, and that is true. And I think if you want to be a uh, songwriter, you've got to be serious about this to take it to the next step. It is quite the profession. It's also a craft that can be learned. Uh, but, um, you, you know, it, what I love about it is your, your no-nonsense approach. You are just, you're a go-getter. And, and you pass that along to your students, don't you? Well, I do, because having a great song is one thing, but then you have to network the heck out of it. We've often said and on this you show. Can't send it, you can't send it to Spotify and think, oh, boy. There it is. Yeah, it's out there. I have a friend, a friend and a colleague, who had 300,000 plays on Spotify and got a check for $18. It's so nuts. don't expect that to be the answer to your songwriting prayers. And going on the to- other hand, I, I, con- I was contacted by a guy on Facebook the other day who claims that he makes six figures a year from his instrumentals all over the place. Okay. And I said, well, okay, let's have a, let's have a chat and I'll write a blog about you. And he keeps avoiding it. Hmm. So I'm not sure that he's making that much. But you never know. With with hustle, you can do anything. You sure can. We and we've we've talked about it on the show. It's 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 not about who you know, more like who knows you. And um, you know, you, you got to get them out there. And that's just part of the thing is writing the great song. And then the other part of it is you know who to pitch to. And I get that all the time. People say, "How do we get? How do I get my songs out there?" You're right. You can put it on Spotify today, and there it is. And then I, I have uh, written with an artist who who's, has uh, well over a million streams on her uh, Spotify album. Uh, I have three songs on that, but it's it's made less, like seventy five dollars so far. You know, yeah. it's, you're not talking about a lot of money, which brings me back to. Writing songs in the digital age, there's good and there is bad. Uh, I think the good part of it, Molly, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you can get your music out there pretty easily. It's it's out there, okay? Um, but um, the, the, the <laughs> it may not make you a lot of money just because it's on the internet. Um, the sad fact is we got paid as a songwriter for royalties, songs that were being played on the radio, still a big part of collections uh, of your of your money, your BMIs, your ASCAPs, collecting those. But the other part well, was mechanicals. I, I need to interrupt you, Dave. Yeah, there okay. is a ton of money to be made. And in my book, Insider Secrets to Hit Songwriting in the Digital Age, I show you how to make money. Yeah. If people are saying, oh, I don't make any money, that's because you're not placing your songs in the right, in the right places. Ah, You're not hooking up with the right people. You can't just put your track on the web and say, well, here I am. I'm in the music business. No, you're not. (laughs) You're an amateur who's putting tracks up and hoping for the best. Right. And you can't hope for the best. You have to do as much work networking and staying on it, on it, on it. And then the checks start rolling in. And you got to meet everybody. Those of you in Nashville have a much easier job than we do in L.A. because yours is, a, is an open-door city. Writers are revered. Kings of Nashville are the writers. There are, uh, you got a song? Come on in. Let's hear it. Hmm. And there and are a so, lot of places and, to play those songs and in, in, in get them out there on stages and in, in performing and stuff. So Yeah, and you hmm. never know if you're just at the corner at a coffee shop in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. You never know who's going to walk in and hear your song and say, I want to use that for my Chevy commercial. Mm. I want to use that. I've got a new artist who has good songs, but not anywhere near as good as this one. 
it's all about being out there. And I have seen the current checks. And believe me, there's a great living to be made as a songwriter if you observe the criteria and know how to do it in the digital age, which is why I wrote the book. I can't wait to read this book. It just came out yesterday, Inside Secrets to Hit Songwriting in the Digital Age. Molly Lincoln And I, it, I interviewed some amazing people, Dave. Mm-hmm. First was Tim Whipperman, the publisher's publisher in Nashville. Really? And he, he told me what goes on in his office. And can you tell us again, a little bit? He's always, what goes, I'm sorry? Can you tell us a little bit about what goes on in his office? You'll have to read the book. I don't want it to sound seamy. Of course. But he's a gracious guy, mm-hmm. and he he's all for the writer, nice. always for the writer, like and that. setting up the writer with another writer. Love that, And you too. never know. You never know. Many of the biggest hits in his catalog have been collaborations that he's put together. And I interviewed, oh, my gosh. I interviewed Debbie Hepp, who was an unhappy housewife in Lexington, Kentucky, and she was vacuuming, saw Johnny Cash on TV, turned the vacuum off, watched the show, found the name of the music guy on the show. She recorded some songs in her furnace room, got her friends in the neighborhood to play washboards and one thing and another. She drove up to Nashville. She called Johnny Cash's office. They said, come on in, ma'am. Wow. And the guy actually sat and played her five-song tape and said, we like these two, but the other three are two pops. So go, go down the street and see them. And within the day, she had met with most of the big-name A-list uh, music people in right. Nashville. That's unheard of. Does that unheard ha- of. Does that happen anyway, today? Anyway, she has... I'm is, sorry? Is that happening today or doors more closed today? Well, she didn't do it today, but, yeah. you know, with the right hustle, you can you can go anywhere. Yeah, that's true. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> the rest of the story is that she stayed in Nashville She learned her craft. She collaborated with some great songwriters. And she had one song that this girl singer kind of liked, and it was in a pile for her. Mm. And the girl singer's producer was listening to songs when this guy came in. And he liked the song and said, I want to do that. Well, he did, and his name was Kenny Rogers, and the song was called You Decorated My Life. How about Number that? one Grammy, her first record. Now, I don't know anybody else who can say that. Yeah. But I know that story to be true. And if it happened to Debbie, it can happen to anybody, everybody else, too. You just need the moxie. you got to need the stick-to-itiveness. you got to schmooze. you got to network you got to go to lunch i would go to yoga classes where these people attend yoga classes i know somebody who makes a point of going to church where her favorite publisher and rock star go to church interesting might seem a little on the on the off but hey she made the connection that's really something and if i remember correctly that was like her first song wasn't it yeah. Amazing. Well, it wasn't her first song, but it was her first hit song. Isn't that incredible? And her first record. It's like first how, record. Like how do you follow that? <laughs> you know? How do you Well, she that? had all kinds of all kinds of hits. Did she? And I talk about that in my chapter about her. I can't. And wait to I read also it. interviewed Michael Silvershire and Patty Silvershire, who've had the most extraordinary careers writing children's music. Oh, my. Everybody thinks, well, you know, we're going to be pop. Well, while we were all being pop, they were doing uh, children's songs. How about that? And they're still looking for places to invest their money. 
You know, we just had Sylvia on the show just a couple of weeks ago, a uh, big hit oh, maker wow. in the 80s, and she's on the Billboard charts again with a children's record that she did. And it's a fantastic record. It's not just for kids. It's a fantastic record. If you missed that episode, go back and, and listen to Sylvia. I will. Yeah. Molly, I got to tell you. I also a- interviewed Art Munson, uh-huh. who was a staff writer with me at A&M, and he now does production music. Wow. So he creates music for all kinds of TV shows where they don't use songs, but they need great production music. Oh, yeah. They don't want to. And he's cleaning, cleaning up, too. Wow. So this you is... don't all have to be straight ahead pop or, or new country songwriters. There are options. Another guy in my book, Jim Andron, made a fortune writing jingle. He wanted to be a pop songwriter, and it wasn't quite working out. And he sees somebody in an elevator, and da-da-da-da, and the next thing, they're in a jingle company together, and he supported his family, sent them through college, lived in, in one house, and had a summer place somewhere else, all from writing jingles. About that. Isn't that how Barry Manilow started out, too? Wasn't he a jingle writer at first? He did. Yeah. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is here. The guy who sang that uh, lived here in Nashville. I worked with him at Lexus uh, a few years ago. Great guy. Hey, listen, I've got to take a break. Um, and, but when we come back, I want to hear another song. I want to talk to you more. Um, Molly Lakin is our guest. The book, you got to get this book. It just published yesterday, Inside Secrets, to hit songwriting in the digital age. If you're a songwriter, this is just chock full of some great things for you. So don't go away. Be right back. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. You're listening to the Songwriter Connection, connecting with music makers and hearing their songs and stories. Now back to the show with your host, Dave Linehan. We're back with Molly Lakin. Uh, she is a, an amazing songwriter, an amazing career, but uh, she gives back. She teaches and, and she mentors. And uh, she's got students that have just done some amazing things. Uh, here's a great, uh, I want you just to go to her uh, webpage, which is songmd.com. You'll read more about her. You'll get a chance to hear some of the songs she's written. And she's written with everybody. You know what I wanted to, to make sure to mention, Dave? Okay. Is that so many people who come to me are lyricists. Yes. Some of them are poets. Some of them are lyricists. And they have three jobs, and they don't know how to monetize their work. Right. So the first thing I teach them is, say this, I'm a lyricist, instead of, I'm just a lyricist. I hate when people say, Be proud I'm of what you lyricist. do, because I always try to without tell them, the lyrics, so important. Wait a second, yeah. without the lyrics, mm-hmm. nobody would need a singer. And they could be replaced instantly by trombones. Right. So if you write lyrics, you're absolutely essential to the process. And don't let anybody say nobody pays attention to the word. Well, Believe I, me, they do. I couldn't agree more. I used to do a lot of work with NSAI, the National Songwriters Association International. Oh, yeah. I was um, one of the uh, coordinators in Cincinnati. And I always used to hate it when they would come in and go, well, I'm just a lyricist. Like, What do you mean you're just a lyricist? You know, what good for you. That's you know, that's important. Some, you know, you have all the ideas that we're looking for, right? So, um, yeah, you're never just a lyricist. Yeah, you know, you're you're a songwriter, right? Exactly. You're essential. You're I'm essential. a lyricist. I write lyrics. Right. You got to practice it like you lift weights. <laughs> I write lyrics. Love it. Anyway, I interrupted you. No, that's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I go on tangents, as you might have found out already. You know, we uh, we call it squirrel train. Squirrel, 
<laughs> we just wrote a song called Squirrel Train. Uh, but anyway, yeah, trying to get back uh, to uh, back on track, uh, Molly. Um, for, for people that are starting out in the industry, you've got so much to offer. Uh, how does it start with, like, if I, if I went to songmd.com, uh, uh, how does it all start with you? Well, first I want everybody to read some of the blogs on my website, the free blogs that are relevant to what you do. If you're a lyricist, there's a whole group of those blogs. Mm -hmm. If you're a singer-songwriter, there's a whole group of those. And then there's um, networking, 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 networking. So important, yeah. So, you know, they say that 10% inspiration, 90% perspiration. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well... I, I'm not sure about those percentages, but boy, the ones who have the hits are the ones who make one more phone call or send one more email or go to one more writer's night. Because mm. your job is to be out where people are listening to you. How about that? Maybe they come to the club to hear somebody else, but there you are. You're at the Bluebird. Well, yeah, which is an amazing place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How about we hear another song? I'm going to go down this list here and pick, uh, how about I hit the jackpot? Can we play that? Tell us a little okay. bit about that. Um, another song that you wrote? Was this yeah, a- I wrote it with Art Munson, and our publisher stuck his name on it. And it <laughs> promptly fired. Does that happen? But anyway, it's uh, I defy you not to sing it. <laughs> Please play it. You got it. Here we go. Another strong groove. you did you hit the jackpot just by making the connection today uh with molly lake and our guest on uh, the songwriter connection podcast that is an infectious song and a great groove and a great beat thank you if i ever heard a song that was perfect for a casino that's it you're right and there's a lot of casinos popping up everywhere so um yeah so there you go i mean 
So I imagine you're pitching to them, huh? I'm pitching always to everybody. Always. I love it. Sometimes I lose track. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to talk my podiatrist into something. Ah. <laughs> you have a song for a podiatrist? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just when I'm at his office, you know, I, I am always pitching something. So I love it. <laughs> always pitching, always out there pitching. Um, so you, I imagine, so, and a lot of artists today, they're pitching on their own, but someone will hire a plugger to do that. Is that anything you've ever done? No. What, what you've done, uh, you're with publishing companies that do that kind of work for you, right? But now well, you're pitching on your own. Well, I pitch on my own and I have a staff that pitches the songs that I mm-hmm. co-write with my exceptional new writers, mm-hmm. but I would not pay a plugger. Uh, because the minute you stop paying them, they lose interest. Yeah, and I know it's a common practice in some places, mm-hmm. and it's exciting for a writer to think, "Oh boy, he's going to see this one, this one, this one, this one." But show me the money. Yeah. So that's my experience, and that's the only thing I can speak to. I got you. You well- need a team. We all need a team. And often the songwriter is the creator and has is very sensitive and is um, steamrolled if somebody says no. Yeah. And so there's somebody else in the family who does the pitching. And that's fine. But as long as we have a grasp of reality, that can move forward. I know lots of people. Apparently Jimmy Webb's wife does all his pitching. Really? Hmm. Yeah, now. And she's good. She gets a lot of records. It's amazing. What an amazing songwriter, too. Yeah. Oh, the best. Yeah. Wasn't for him and Bob Dylan and Carole King. I'd be a corporate executive at IBM. Mm. I'd be wearing shoulder pads and saying no to a lot of things (laughs) on the on the executive floor. Boy, I'd hate that. But anyway, um, I'd just be sure that the people you hook up with, the first thing I ask them is, what are your most recent hits? Well, you know, back in the 50s and so on. No. What's on the radio now? What's on the air now that, that you pitched or that, uh, that you placed. And if they don't have current answers, don't go there. Gotcha. You, as songwriters, we want desperately to hear the yes. We will do anything to hear the yes. Molly, what if you're just and starting it off? It has to be legitimate <clears throat> yes. Mm-hmm. All over my Facebook, there are people with deals, quote-unquote deals. Mm-hmm. And I, I coach them all. Ask them the tough questions. And if their answers are not realistic, this is your life. You may may write a song that makes $10 million, and maybe you never have another song that makes anywhere near that. Maybe that's your one-hit wonder. You want your money. You want your royalties. Be sure you get it right. I got you. And... And so don't be so anxious for the yes that it really turns into a mess. I got you. I guess I just wrote a little jingle there. (laughs) Yes, you did. But anyway, I'm always here for my clients at songmd.com to help you avoid the bad deals and to help you raise the level of your writing so that it, it can realistically compete with the very best songs and the artists out there. I got you. And, and, and thank God for what you do. Um, thank you. You talked, we, before we went on, uh, you, you talked, we were talking about demos because I, I really enjoy the production quality of what I'm hearing on your webpage and the songs that you've written. And you were saying demos are not really a thing anymore. And, and I wanted to get more on that. Well, back in the day, we'd have a keyboard player and a singer. Mm-hmm. Now you need to produce a master quality song that somebody can just 
plop into the into the movie or the TV show. Nobody re-records anything on the other side of the desk anymore. So a lot of people who can produce great tracks are getting placements. Gotcha. So you can't send them a demo. You can't send them a piano voice demo. And certainly stay away from those places that will write you. If you send them a lyric, they'll send you a melody and a and a yeah and a recording because they've used the same melody eighty times already that day. Probably, yeah. And the singers have lost their voices. Mm-hmm. So. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. It normally is, yes. So you don't get a hit melody for $300. No. You get a very expensive coaster. <laughs> and it's true. And it's there true. was one company that I actually closed down. I spend Sundays chasing down scams so my clients can avoid them. Oh, that's great. I've closed a bunch of those places. Mm-hmm. Some of them have popped up elsewhere with new names but wow unbelievable but it happens you know there's people everywhere to tell you what you want to hear yeah that's true so if 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 you are a new songwriter starting out and you don't have those connections and you 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 know like you say you want to know what's what do you have on the charts right now what what are you doing right now what where do you go how do you how how would you tell uh, them to start uh molly well i'd suggest that new writers come to me. It's a very gentle, nurturing environment. My job is to help you get your songs to the point where they are as strong as they need to be to realistically compete in a very competitive marketplace. Important. Come to songmd.com, book a consultation with me uh, My in, in the celebration of my new book, Insider Secrets to Hit Songwriting. In the digital age, I've reduced my fees by half. Great. And it's very easy to book an appointment with me, to pay for a consultation. And then we have our session either by phone or by Zoom. Mm. Do you occasionally uh, co-write with with folks that you've met? Uh, Sometimes I do if they have an extraordinary line Mm -hmm. or a riff hidden somewhere in there. There was one client from New Zealand who had a song and there was a line inside buried inside about Santa was a cowboy now. Mm. And I thought, Oh my God. And we wrote a Christmas song together. Santa is a cowboy now. And it's one of those songs that gets played every Christmas. That's great. But I would never have written that song without him. Mm. Yeah. You know, and And, that's always the market Christmas songs too, right? Well, it is. I don't spend my life writing Christmas songs because Christmas is shorter every year. (laughs) It's like poor Mary. She's in labor for 10 minutes and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, let's see some of my other. Well, the first song you played, Asia Africa, that's a collaboration with a new client. And there's the other thing you can talk about too is the importance of of co-writing. We've talked a lot about how songs, so many songs today are co-written and not just solo rights. And and you encourage that, don't you? I do, and I would do anything I could to get in the room with some of these major artists. And the way you're invited to be in the room is to have some credibility mm-hmm. elsewhere, like you. Your friend uh, Susie is the bass player for for uh, Jungle Jim, and mm-hmm. Jungle Jim is the background singer for Pitsy Poo. <laughs> and then suddenly you're hanging with Pitsy Poo, and Pitsy Poo is invited in the room to write with Marin Morris, and suddenly you're writing with Marin Morris. Incredible. And who cares whether you get one tenth or one fifth of the royalties for that song. You got your name on a hit song by that's sung by Marin Morris. And that's something for the resume there. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And you know, it's all, but you're building, you're building a persona and you're building a resume and it's now Friday, but you're not going to ha- be at the Grammys on Sunday. 
you have to realize it's a process. Mm-hmm. And you go to medical school for how many years? Ten years? Maybe you don't have to go to songwriting school that long, but you need do need to learn your craft. Instinct is a great place to start, but craft takes over from there. Gotcha. Wonderful. And you can, I, uh, I mean, I've taught clients of mine in just a few months to create market-ready songs. So it depends on your motivation, and people have jobs, people have families. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they have the luxury I do of time. I write songs all the time. And I'm in the music business all the time. But I don't have a corporate job, and I don't have babies, and so I can I can obsess more than most people can. But but eventually, I set aside time every day, and I tell my clients to do this too. Write in your appointment book, writing Monday through Friday, fifteen minutes. Now nobody has two hours all the time, but you do have 15 minutes. And I tell my clients, lock yourself in the bathroom if you have to, because nobody's going to bother you there. This is uninterrupted time. And write a little bit of something every single day, and at the end of the week, you're going to have something. That Those 15 minutes add up. Yeah, they do. Make an appointment with and yourself. And even if the page is blank, Dave, Mm-hmm. At least your subconscious is cranking on something and you may be opening your car door and what do you know? Mm. Write it down because if you don't treasure your ideas, they're going to go into somebody else's head and next month you'll be listening to the radio. Wait a minute, that's my song. No, it was your song, but you didn't honor it. So bye-bye. Oh, isn't that amazing how creativity works? Amazing. Yeah, I mean, I've written on my leg. I've written on egg cartons at the market. Mm-hmm. I've written on other people's egg cartons at the market. Mm-hmm. And ideas are, are currency. So always be thinking about those ideas in writing them down. Always. This is all great advice from our guest today, Molly Lakin. Let me play another song, and then we'll be back to wrap it up. This is one uh, called... Um, uh, somewhere left, left of Texas. Somewhere left of Texas. That's an interesting title. Yeah, I had a publisher yeah. once said you should have the song if it's if it's got a title and it, and it makes me say I've got to find out what that's all about. Uh, that's what you're after. And when it's somewhere left of Texas, thank you. Yeah, that's one of those songs. Yeah, what thank can you, you. What can you tell us about it? Well, it was sent to me for consultation by a guy named Bob Algy, and it was. That line was buried in the lyric, Mm. and I started to scream, and my assistant came in. What's the matter? Are you okay? I said, look at this line. So we've heard west of Texas, north of Texas, east of Texas, but we've never heard left of Texas. Never. And so we created this whole wonderful story, and I defy anybody not to sing that chorus. <laughs> Let's give it a listen. Here we go. Somewhere left of Texas on the Songwriter Connection podcast.
That is so cool, Molly. It really is. Well, I also really stress that you've got to have an irresistibly sing-alongable chorus. I agree. Mm -hmm. And your your job as a songwriter to build a chorus into your song that after hearing it once, the audience is singing along with you. That's the goal. And if they're not, you haven't done your job. Mm. Molly, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface with you. I hope that we can do this again sometime because you are just a fountain of, of, of knowledge. And um, I just appreciate you passing it on, not only to me, but to all of our listeners on Songwriter Connection Podcast. You really are amazing. And um, I'm just honored well, to have, have met you and spent some time with you. I really am. Well, you ask great questions, Dave. And I hope your listeners will contact me I do too. at songmd.com. Uh, I'm here to help everybody become the best songwriter they possibly can be. And do yourself a favor, folks. Get the book, because you're going to love the book. Um, And again, it's called? Insider Secrets to Hit Songwriting in the Digital Age. That's right, which is today. So, Molly, thank you so much. All the best to you. And um, I'll be in touch. I'd love to do this again. I think there's so much more. Thank you, Dave. I'm always here for you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Songwriter Connection podcast. Find us on social media at Songwriter Connection. Also listen to Dave Lanahan's Nashville Connections radio show. It streams live every Friday morning on WOBL and WNOI. Look for us on Facebook and YouTube. See you next time on Songwriter Connection.